Hey, thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Welcome to Radiant. Um, on behalf of my wife, Renata, and I, uh, we're so glad that you're here. Hey, Radiant, can we give a big hand to everybody that's here for the first time? We're glad that you're here. Yeah, welcome. Thanks so much for coming. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, let's go. Mark chapter four. We're in week four of our uh, God of Miracles series. If it seems like I have extra butterflies today, it's because I do, but not because of me preaching up here. It's because my 15-year-old daughter, Olivia, is preaching in Radiant Kids right now. And so... Uh, uh, I'm going to try to pray for her when we start this. Um, we started off uh, the, talking about the resurrection, and we talked about the great miracle of the resurrection and the miracle of salvation. Now is week one, where we talked about um, specifically our lives and the miracle of Jesus saving us. And then we moved to Mark chapter two, and we talked about believing for miracles for other people. Uh, in addition to believing in miracles for ourselves, to stand as prayer people, intercessors, uh, to pray for miracles in the lives of other people. And then uh, last week we talked about um, he's the God of miracles that provides abundantly, and we want to listen to him and obey, tempting to just run our play, run our plan. But in the story that we read last week about God feeding the 5,000, yay, 20,000, God did a miracle, and he wanted us to listen and then run his play rather than our own. And so in the process of being obedient to God, listening and obeying, that's the context where we start to see God at work, i.e. miracles. And today I want to talk a little bit about miracles in the context of God at work inside of you to where you have miraculous peace no matter what you're walking through. So in the middle of whatever crisis, trial, storm, difficulty, you have supernatural, miraculous God at work, knowing Jesus at work inside of you, peace. Fruit, evidence, God at work, Holy Spirit, Spirit-filled, peace. And so that's where we're going to go today. Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 35, um, and then we'll pray, and then we'll dive in. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side, which just so you know, that's what I wanted to entitle the message today, to the other side. Renata and I uh, took our kids uh, the first year that we moved here to the Greatest Showman movie. And there is a song, to the other side. Suddenly you're free to fly, take you to the other side. But um, I'm no longer a youth pastor. I did that for 20 years. And so the title will not be to the other side. We'll go with Miraculous Peace today. All right. And leaving the crowd, they took him, uh, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. So as Jesus was, meaning tired, and other boats were with him. So that's an intriguing story. Oftentimes when we read this, it's, we don't always catch that there were other boats. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. So waves breaking in, water getting into the boat. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Intriguing that we get that from Mark. A pillow. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Foom. We're going to go straight for motive. Foom. Don't you care that we're perishing? Where is the compassionate God? Where is the caring God? 
And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, big word, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Interesting. So first he's looking at them and he's now talking about what's going on inside of them. Not just calm the storm, but why isn't there calming you? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Father, we love you today. We pray that the word of God would come alive in our hearts. We pray that we would be a people that walk with miraculous peace. God, we ask, Lord Jesus, that no matter what difficult situation on the outside we're going through, I pray that you would work a supernatural miracle on the inside of your people. And God, I ask for Olivia Faith as she preaches right now. I pray that she would speak boldly, 15-year-old fire, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, my senior year of college, uh, I had probably my favorite professor um, in my undergrad, and uh, his name was Dr. Green. And Dr. Green, uh, he was more than your normal professor that just went through the lecture. Dr. Green really adopted uh, his class. And sometimes you've actually heard me. I've quoted him multiple times. Uh, one of the things he frequently talked about was the low percentage of pastors that graduated from undergrad, went through seminary, and ended up uh, being in their 60s or 70s and, 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 and staying in ministry. And he would often verbalize that one of his dreams was to help us in, endure and to make it. And I remember that because I remember at one time specifically where he said, out of this class, probably if the statistics are right, probably three or four of you will still be doing this one day. And uh, I just remember really liking him. In fact, he would... Uh, take us to his house. So I never had any other professor do that, but he actually had like uh, a, a pizza and Coke and watch a movie at his house type professor. It's not your normal professor, but one of the things that he did in systematic theology one and two was that he ended each class with kind of a bit of a formal benediction where he would look at us and say, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Bye-bye. And that's what he did every time. And so whether it was a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class or a Tuesday, Thursday class, he did the same thing every time. And he always had a little 12-ounce red Coke. I mean, all Coke is red. Sorry, I guess you didn't know that. But 12-ounce Coke sitting right there. And he'd drink the Coke, and he would talk to us about theology. And I had a lot of professors that kind of, you know, would kind of just go through their notes. But this guy was, like, brilliant. He didn't even have any notes. He'd just open up the book, and he would say things that just kind of sucked you in, just kind of brought you in. Actually, he was one of the ones that made me just really enjoy theology. And at the end of every class, it was that same ending. I mean, it didn't matter what he talked about. didn't matter what was going on. I mean, you could not leave before he did his same little tradition where he looked at you, and he said, may they, and may God himself, the God of peace, Sanctify you through and through. Bye-bye. And we did that every time. I was just thinking, I wonder what's going on in the heart of my prof, Dr. Green. Why? Why that verse? What's he saying? And I just think, for me, it's easy to connect his, his little encouragements about enduring. His little encouragements about not giving up. With the quoting of Paul, or Paul says... Now may God himself, the God of peace, that God of peace, sanctify you through and through. I was just thinking, maybe, maybe it was uh, for when we faced difficult moments, 
Maybe it was that dream in his heart for when moments like for me, I needed the God of peace. When I was 29, uh, not even out of my 20s yet, and probably had my darkest day in ministry. Uh, one of the young men, we'd had a, 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 a blizzard take place in Colorado, and one of the young men um, in our internship uh, just suddenly, tragically was killed. And uh, I'll never forget uh, doing the funeral uh, at about one o'clock that day um, and just dialoguing. His parents had flown in from Minnesota, and I'm 29 years old, you know, wearing a suit for the first time, trying to do this funeral and talking to these parents about what's going on and, and praying for these parents and really um, just trying to navigate that situation and uh, all of our interns and um, just, just, just tragic, just, just experiencing this heartbreak, only to be called into another room to hear the news that our pastor, uh, who I worked for at the time, um, was living a double life and had just resigned. And, uh, and, and, and just suddenly being in, in, in the tragedy and the shock of that situation, only to then that evening have one of the men in our church um, in his 30s. Uh, and it was a big church, and so I was, uh, knew a lot of people, but really doing life uh, with a smaller group. And this guy would have been someone in that group. And uh, he called me and he said, David, um, my wife told me tonight uh, that she's leaving me. And I wanted to see if you could not only pray with me, but if we could talk for a while and work through this. And I just never, for, never forget that day. Just never forget that moment of thinking, how do I make it through this day? This is, this feels like a storm. This feels like wind, rain, boat shaking, waves. This is coming from all directions. And I think that Jesus, he's got these apprentices. He's got these disciples. And Jesus, he wants them to make it. So these are the ones who are going to represent him. These are the ones that he's going to, send out to go and be not only his hands and his feet, but actually to tell people about who he is. These are the ones that he's preparing. And so he's already showed them how miraculous healing takes place. And we talked about that in Mark chapter two. We see the healing of the paralytic and he's already shown them miraculous deliverance, the delivery of this demo, de, uh, <coughs> delivering demons, delivering demons. Is that right? Am I saying right? No, not the demons don't get delivered. Um, I just knew I said it wrong. <laughs> uh, the kid being delivered from demons. So he's, he's showing people, he's showing them how this supernatural work. And now he's going after this idea of miraculous peace. And I think he's taking these disciples into the storm. The text says that he leads them into the storm. And I think Jesus preparing his disciples kind of gets this moment where he wants them to see what's inside of them. Like in the middle of this storm, do you have faith? In the middle of this storm, though there's a storm going on around you, is there a storm in you? Is, is, has there been transformation? Can you trust me in the middle of this challenging storm? One of the great marks of disciples of Jesus, one of the things that we read about as the fruit of the Holy Spirit is that the people of God are transformed by God to where we walk in miraculous supernatural peace apart from the circumstance that we face. But we live in a culture where it's easy instead of turning to peace to turn to panic. 
And so today I want us to imagine what would it look like for you and for me to let the king of kings, the disciple maker, turn us into people <laughs> that walk through a storm and trust him in the midst of whatever we're walking through, that, that believe, that trust, that, that don't have the chaotic panic that those around us have. Aren't, it's stress, anxiety, and circumstance don't overtake us, but in the middle of the actual thing, yours might not be a, a boat in Galilee. Yours, your storm is going to look different, but can you walk with faith? That's what Jesus is talking about here. He says, are you still afraid? Where's your faith? And it's kind of that idea of kind of get that faith out. If you've got that, come on. It's time to exercise that faith. It's kind, it's kind of time to use what you got. And I think that about even Dr. Green, he's looking at us and he's saying, all right, hey guys, if the statistics are true, here's what's going to happen. So I want even more than teaching your brains. And he did that really well. I'm going to bring you into my house. And here's what I want. I want you to know the God of peace as you go through some good days and some hard days. And I think that's what's going on with Jesus right here. As he's, as he's training, as he's preparing his disciples to represent him, to go be the disciples. And obviously one day, John's the one who's going to go to the island of Patmos and he's going to experience pain. Obviously, we know you can look at each one who's going to go and suffer for the cause of Christ. And Jesus, who mentors and trains and prepares, he's just looking at them. And this is a moment. This is kind of a tough love moment. Let's kind of dig in and see what's inside of you. And every time you go through the storms, you can know this is a moment where you get the pop quiz. What's on the inside? What's going on inside of me? I remember uh, when I was in college, uh, I had a, a family that I was really close to, and one day we were all just hanging out around the pool. They were about 30 years old, this mom and this dad, they had three boys, and, uh, and we we're hanging out around the pool, and grandpa, so the 30-year-old's the, the dad, he was, about, he was in his 60s, and he was a bull rider, not just like your normal tough grandpa, he was actually a bull rider, like tough owned a bunch of land, and he had a snarl when he talked, and he was like, I mean, he was old school grandpa bull riding, you know, kind of guy, and, and I'll just never forget, we're sitting around the pool, and, and 30-year-old mom is talking about how, how kindergarten, she had three boys, this kindergartner, kind of preschooler, and then little baby, and Renata, you're not going to like this story, so just bear with me, all right, but, but, but here's what happens is, is, is she's talking about how her kindergarten son's not swimming yet. It's kind of small talk. And granddad, he stands up and he just walks over to scared of the water kindergarten boy and he just boom, pushes him in. Yeah, I got to. Yeah, that's what mom did too. 30 year old mom. Every three different reactions. Bull ride granddad is like staring at the water like, hey, 32 year old dad is laughing. 29 year old mom is freaked out, right? But kid starts swimming. So he starts swimming like this. And so then I'm just pulling out like family crisis. I'm just stepping out. I go silent. I, hey, I'm 20. I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm just pretending like nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, kid starts swimming. They pull the kid out. And granddad's like nudging son. Son's laughing, a little giddy, a little nervous, a little scared. And 29-year-old mom comes and starts punching, like literally physically beating granddad. Like, what are you doing? Don't you push back in. I just remember thinking, ah, oh, man, a little crazy. But here's what happened. Kid swam. 
I got an amen from granddad over here, right? (laughs) Kids swam. I think most of the time we think Jesus is mostly 29-year-old mom. A little empathy for you. But I think right here, this story, Jesus saying, all right, let's go, boys. Let's face death and see how you respond. You've seen me heal. You've seen some miracles. You've heard me say who I am. We've walked together. I got a big job for you. What's going on in here? Because that's the big one. It's actually really easy for Jesus to calm the storm. He's the creator of the storm. It's really no big deal. NBD, no big deal. Jesus, able, calm the storm. He's the creator. He created John 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He's with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. It's, it's no big deal. I mean, he's, he's the storm calmer. But this, he's actually narrowed in on what's going on. I mean, you read this little text, and what he's working on is the heart of his disciples. What's going on inside of you? Are you still afraid? Do you have faith? That's what I'm working on. I'm working on, I'm I'm pushing you in the deep end here. I know you're scared of storms. I'm not. I'm sleeping. Head on a pillow. What's up? But I want to see what's inside of you. And I just think for each one of you, as you face the crisis, the storm, God's got a bigger story than the outward circumstance. It seems like chaos. He's zeroed in on what's going on in your heart. See, you're his eternal treasure. You're going to be with him forever. What he cares about is your response. Yeah, I mean, Job 26 says that he just whispers, just sneeze as my joke. He just whispers and he can create. I mean, he's, he's, he is sovereign God, all powerful, and he loves and delights in you. And he's preparing, training you. You're his disciple. And just like he cares about what's in the heart of those disciples, he cares about what's in your heart right now. So he, Jesus, the disciple maker, is currently the disciple maker. And he's going, I want love, joy, peace. I want peace in your heart. He's looking at you. And I think for most of us, when we face a crisis... Our dream is to respond with spiritual maturity and trust and be able to say, Jesus, I'm not afraid. I trust in you. But it's often our first response to be just kind of like these disciples and just say, don't you care? Don't you care that we're dying? I mean, you got different versions. Don't you care that we're perishing? Eugene Peterson in the message paraphrase, I like the way he says it. Don't you care? We're going down. NIV says it best right there. I mean, don't you care? We're going we're, we're gonna to die. I think that's what goes on inside of us when we face crisis. It's easy for us to just say, come on. Where are you at? What's the story? Why am I facing this? I don't want to face this. Because I think it's easy for us to think, Jesus, I got saved. I'm following you. Cruise ship time. Not little boat in the middle of Galilee. I want easy street, baby. I, 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 I haven't even heard a gospel of come to Jesus and everything get better, but you know what? <laughs> and everything ain't better yet. And Jesus talks differently. Jesus constantly tells his disciples things like, in this world, you will have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world, John 16. And it's easy for us, if we have a wrong view of Jesus, to just get mad and angry and accusation. 
don't you care? Don't you know? Don't you see? We're going down. Just like the disciples, we can have this response. Instead of peace, we have pain. Instead of faith, we have fear. Instead of trust, we have terror. And we don't have the peace of God. We have the panic of man. Oh, no. Uh, I'm telling you, in our, especially in the information age right now, where we are bombarded nonstop from websites to just texts to just every kind of reminder on our phone to every alert on our phone. It's easy to live in perpetual panic because we have our eyes focused on all of the problems. And if you're one of the disciples, I was thinking about this, and this is actually a fairly earthly logical response. Uh, why are we scared? Because we're about to die. Like, for real. Like, this is not just a flannel graph and veggie tales. This is actually grown men facing. I mean, and, and you think about many of them had been fishermen. So the professional fishermen are now coming to the Messiah, the carpenter, and they know he has power. And they're putting down a hand. No, we... Well, this is our area of strength. This is our power alley. Turns out you have more power. So I'm going to come and I'm going to ask you for help. I just want you to see that this is a logical crisis. This is, if, if it's based upon just human intellect, it makes sense to panic. The only way you don't have panic but you have peace is if you are so confident Jesus, God, is in the boat. It is the only way to look at this. It's not to pretend like they're not problems. That's just dumb. Those waves are really coming in. It's not to ignore it. It is the confidence, the assurance. God of peace is in the boat. God of peace is right here with me. God of peace is here so I can face the storm. And I'm going to be okay. And I guarantee you, one of the most attractive things in a culture that is obsessed with making money off of people's panic is if the people of God possess peace instead of panic in the midst of crisis. If you can, if you can, and, and at first they won't, at first they'll look at you and they'll call you crazy. This boat going down, why aren't you, why you got your head on a pillow? Why are you, why, why are you crazy? What's wrong with you? You're ignorant. That's typically first. You're ignorant. You don't know, but you go a couple years. Christianity in America, when you think about evangelism, is not usually a one-time conversation. It's not usually a preacher on a stream, a song they heard on the radio. It's usually a long relationship with somebody whose life has been transformed that they say, why aren't you in panic when the rest of the world is? I've been through three storms and you've been filled with peace through all of them. Finally, the accuser turns to the asker. Why are you different? One of the best things you can do right now is be someone who has miraculous, supernatural peace, like the Prince of Peace, Jesus, in the middle of the chaos all around us. And you get that locked in. And all of a sudden, your delight in following Jesus, it's not pretend. You're not, you're not faking it. You're not ignorant to the fact that there's the waves. No, you know. You, you can know full well about health and economy and 
what people say. You, you've got knowledge, but your greater knowledge is Jesus, God of peace, right here. So I can face this storm, and there's a work in my heart that's different. Actually, actually, this whole thing, I mean, I, this whole thing, you and I, we don't have, like, we, the storm in Galilee doesn't affect us in 21st century church preaching the gospel. What affects us right now is what took place in the hearts of the disciples that became the proclaimers. And I'm just telling you, it, years from now, what matters is what transformation took place in your heart to where then you were able to use your life to make a difference. Does that make sense to you? Like, that's the big miracle. Like, that's the miracle that's amazing. Jesus loving these guys, walking to these guys, and he's helping them. Hey, Peter. Hey, John. Hey, James. Hey, why are you so afraid? Come on. Did you forget who I am? I love the story of Polycarp, who was one of the first Christian martyrs in, in uh, 156 AD. Polycarp uh, was told to say Caesar is Lord, and he refused to do it. And so uh, as he led in Smyrna, he's one of the famous uh, first martyrs of the church. And they said, if you don't say Caesar is Lord, we will burn you at the stake. And he refused. And so they took him to burn him at the stake, and they gave him one last chance. Say Caesar is Lord or be burned at the stake. And his reply was, for 86 years, I have served Christ, and he has never done me wrong. Why would I blaspheme him now? And he goes to his death and actually even asked to not be nailed, but to be just tied, saying he would, as he was, as he was being burned, saying he would not run away, break away. I tell you stories like that, and you go, what on earth? How Crazy. There's something. God did something in Polycarp. That's not normal human behavior. That's impossible human behavior. Unless you believe the God of peace can put peace in the burning flames in a martyr, in a fisherman, in a storm, or in a 21st century Kansas City and walk him through some craziness. And if you can not be little or be cynical, but say, Jesus, give me peace. Jesus, I want your peace. Not what I can gain. Not, not what I can do in my own strength. Not me in the boat just trying to do it my way. Let's row faster. Throw Jesus an oar and let's do this. No, this is, I'm, I'm running to you, Jesus. I want your peace. And my invitation for you is to, is to try to think, how can I grow in peace? Almost like this. Like we would think of a, uh, when we're driving our vehicles and how you run out of gas and you need to refuel. I'd like you to just think of it today in that context of like, how do I refuel in peace? So some people think either I have it or I don't. No, no, no. I want to invite you to, to grow in the area of supernatural peace. Holy Spirit, fill me. I need the peace of God in the chaos, in the crisis. How do I grow in peace? How, how could I possibly grow? Number one, I'm going to give you four Ps here, all right? This is a great preacher day, all right? But, but the first one is I want you to just remember the promise 
of Jesus. Jesus actually said in this text that he was going to take them to the other side. So if Jesus says to them, I'm taking you to the other side, one of the best things you can do is remember the promises of God. If the disciples could remember, this is what Jesus said he was going to do. He said, we're going to get to the other side. So you know what? We're going to get to the other side. It helps in the moment to have faith instead of fear, peace instead of panic. Some of us don't have the promises of God in our mind and our heart because we don't know them. One of the best things you can do is just fill up on the word of God and just get the promises of God locked in your head and your heart. Quote it, know it, say it, get it in you so that, so that you're one that looks at the future and goes, I've, I, I, could, I could stare at the waves, but I'm going to stare at the Savior He's the one that brings me peace, and here's his promises. So it's not just, I'm not going to just trust what I can see. I'm going to trust my Savior. And that's faith. That's, it, takes, it takes God at work. Because everybody around you is not doing that. They're going to think that's a little crazy. Get the, get the word of God. I, I, I want to invite you. Those things, those help in the crisis. Those help in the moments. Uh, second one is this. Remember just the straight up simplicity of the peace of Jesus. This is the moment. And it's, a, it's an intriguing moment because it really, I mean, gospel writer here, Mark, he's giving us a picture. The picture of Jesus sleeping is, it's a picture for us to see rest, peace in the storm, peace in crisis. Jesus wasn't a sleeper. This is the only time we find a story of Jesus sleeping. I mean, he slept, but he, Mark 135, we've got moments where Jesus rises up early to get alone with his father. The stories that we have about Jesus praying through the night, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. Jesus, the, the, the predominant narrative we have about Jesus and sleep is him skipping sleep to pray. But we got this right here of Jesus and it's a pretty dramatic moment to try to picture that you're in this kind of storm where you're about to die and you're in this little tiny boat with your head on the stern and you've got your head on a pillow sleeping. It's a picture. Jesus really sleeping, but it's that we would lock in with Jesus is calm in the middle of the chaos. Jesus able to sleep. And I just want to invite you to just think about what it looks like in your own life to see here's Jesus. And because he's God, it is a perfect picture of the God-man. It's a perfect picture of the deity of Christ. Because here's Jesus, and he's the one who created the sea. So he's the one that can calm the sea. I mean, it's, it's, it's the perfect picture of the one who is fully man. He's been preaching. He's been doing miracles. And now he's tired. So we see he's really human being. And yet he's so God where the wind and the waves obey. It's a perfect picture Third one is this, remember the presence of Jesus. This is real simple, but just remember he's with me. Peace isn't the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. They, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Hey, why aren't we freaking out? We should be freaking out. We going down. We're gonna drown. I'll tell you why we're not freaking out. Jesus is in the boat. He's with us. Okay. You know what? If, if, if there's the promises on his life, he says we're going to the other side, and Jesus is with us, and your awareness that he's in the boat increases 
when you're not focusing on the waves and the storm, but you're focusing on him. It's, an, it's a shift from the storm to the stern. <laughs> Made that up, Nathan. I mean, from the, like, just I'm focused in on Jesus. And I, and I just want to encourage you as a pastor, I think the abundance of entertainment we have right now, news, sports, movies on our phones, nonstop. It is so easy to slowly shift and have so much of our time and attention be focused on those items and not on the Savior in the boat that we are filled with panic, that we just, we, we actually think it's, of course, Jesus, instead of, no, that changes my choices. That changes how I think. It changes how I live. Fourth one is this, fourth P. All right, remember the pillow of Jesus. I'm just kidding. It's just too easy. It's just right there because it's a P and I'm not really that shallow. I would have done that 10 years ago, but not now. Um, I would have brought a pillow and it would have been a song, but it's not. Uh, last one is this. Remember the power of Jesus right here. And of course, this is the moment where they say, even the wind and the waves obey. Even the wind and the waves. You know, when you've seen God do miracles, your sense of awe and marvel increases. You've seen the power of God in your midst. You've got this wow, awe. So even this series, God of Miracles, is ay, 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 ay. And their response at the end was, who is he? Because every time you've gone through a storm and you see the attribute of God, the character of God, God's taking care of his people, God working in power, you don't conclude the storm with less faith. You can, it ends with who is he anyway? He's just so awesome. Who are you? So many Bible commentators say that for the disciples, the storm started outside the boat, but ended with the storm in the boat because they were in awe. Wow. Started with calm outside. Start with a chaos outside the boat. It ends with calm inside of me. Calm on the sea, calm on me, all because of Jesus. I was just thinking about as you go through whatever you're walking through. You're going through the financial disaster. You're going through the family pain. You're going through the disappointment with really your career. All the things that tend to be just panic and chaos. Your thoughts of the way that the world is. And what would happen if in the middle of storm, chaos, crisis. You're able to walk with supernatural peace, see God work in power, and then go jaw dropper. Wow, God, you are spectacular. That's what happens to John in Revelation 1. He sees Jesus and he falls as though dead. Wow. So it happens to Isaiah and Isaiah 6. It's a little, little vision of who God is. Whew. Wow, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Peter's actually done this in Luke 5. The great catch where he says, Jesus multiplies the fish and Peter goes away from me. It's the response of the heart that sees the power of God. It's you're big, I'm small, wow. And when we walk void of it, we tend to think, 
I'm big, you're backseat, I gotta do my thing. I got a destiny, it's about me. What happens if there's an uptick in our culture, radiant culture, of just stories of God at work? God's doing miracles. God's calming storms. Yeah, I'm walking through this, and I have peace in a crisis that most would jump off the cliff, go crazy, get mad at God. One of the things I love about Jesus in this moment with the disciples is his response in the midst of their, I'm going to call it junior varsity prayer. Like, this, is, this, is, this, this prayer's got some sting to it. Don't you care? Don't you see we're going to drown? You're going to let us drown? Don't you care? I mean, they're going after the heart, Jesus' motive, Jesus' heart. And yet, Jesus still answers. I'm talking mature prayer. Hey, Jesus, you created this. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're holy. You just speak. You got this. Hey, oh, you said we're going to the other side. Hey, will you fix the storm? That'd, that'd be like varsity, A+. But weak, broken, afraid, discouraged, scared to death, even mad at God. Don't you care? And Jesus still goes, calm the storm. I mean, do you see the goodness of God in that? Do you see the kindness? Yeah, he rebukes his disciples, but he still does the miracle. I just, it just makes you love him. Just makes you go, who are you that you're that good? Who, who are you that you're, you're calming storms? You're doing miracles. You're training. You're loving. You're helping me see what's in my heart. You're the God of miracles. You're so good. And I don't know what journey you're on. Are you walking through something? But I just picture Jesus looking at you saying, I'm working on you. You go, no, but the storm, no, but the waves, no, but nobody goes, no, shut up. I'm working on you. Can you walk with me? Can you look to me? Remember my promise? Remember my power? Remember my peace? Remember who I am? I got, I'm working on you. Oh, but I just want you to change my circumstance. If you're just, I'll, I'll be mature later if you can just calm the storm right now. Hold on a second. It's in the middle of the storm. It's in the middle of the storm. That's your great opportunity to run to him, to pray. Don't let the storm create panic. Let it create prayer. Oh, God, I need you. I'm coming to you. Oh, God of peace. <laughs> I picture Peter, 1 Peter 5, when he writes one of the most famous text that Peter ever wrote. He says, cast all your anxieties, all your stress, all your concern, all your fear, all the people that make you so mad did you wrong. The economy, the boss, the friend, the 
Pick the thing that you just deserve to be up in arms about. Cast all your anxiety, stress, cast all your cares on him. And then Peter flips it. You cast it on him and then hear the fisherman, <laughs> the caster. <laughs> he flips it and he goes, why? Well, there was a time where I and my buddies, we looked at Jesus on the boat and said, don't you care? Turns out he cared. Cast all your cares, cast all your anxieties on, for he cares for you. He cared for them in a boat. He cares for you in 2021 in Kansas City in the crisis that you're facing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So come before him. Stop trying to go with your own strength. Be dependent on Jesus. And come before him and say, in this storm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to depend. Turns out I can't row fast enough. Turns out I can't scream at the storm. Turns out I need God in the midst of this chaos. And I'm coming to you. And I'm just going to let you take care of my storm. I need you. I'm running to Jesus. That's my prayer for you today. Would you just bow your head? And will you just verbalize? Here's my stress. Here's my anxiety. Here's my anger. Here's my fear. Here's what you didn't give me that I want you to give me. Here's the way that I see it. Go ahead and just be free to give that junior varsity prayer in the angst, pain, frustration, and know that he's a good father. Cast it on him. He still cares. Every prayer matters. He's still doing a work. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I am done on my own strength. I need the strength of God in my life. I am done trying to create my own future. I want Jesus to be my future. I'm done being my own power. I want Jesus to be my power source. And today you just want to surrender your life and you want to begin a journey with Jesus and let him be the Lord of your life. I want to invite you, if that's you, just to pray this one prayer. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Just say it to him right now. Whether it's the first time or maybe you've been distant from God for a decade or two and you're just saying, I want to get right with God. Jesus, I surrender my life. Just by that surrender. It's not the only thing you'll say to God, but it's the first thing where you're saying, take it all. You can have it. And Father, we ask in the name of Jesus for strength. We pray for each person making a decision to follow you. Each person casting their care on you. Would you do a supernatural work in their lives today? Followers of Jesus. Some beginning the journey, some growing more and more mature as they go. But I pray, God of peace, sanctify them through and through. May their whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. You alone do the work, God. Do a work in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen.